0: just by the colour of my skin, I'm already stereotyped or put into a box, or you're gonna assume I'm one way, I'm already loud, aggressive, I'm gonna cause trouble. So when you see me rock up to the college, I obviously don't belong here.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome back to Hear Her Out, the podcast which brings you real stories from millennial women. I'm Faye White and I'm a journalist and a sexual violence activist and I know that I've been gone for a little while but rest assured I've been very busy and I've got lots of exciting episodes to bring you in the coming weeks. My guest today is the incredible V Kativu who is formerly known as Miss Bars on YouTube. V is in her final year at Oxford and she was one of the first 10 students on the foundation year at the university and she's faced adversity to achieve her dreams of going to the world's best university. She inspires her modest 31,000 subscribers on YouTube to achieve their academic potential by giving them tips on CVs, studying, and how to get into university. And she recently hosted a free sold out event called Empowered by V, which is an academic conference where she chaired panels and about uni prep and study skills. I met V back in April at Lady Margaret Hall, which is her Oxford college. And we talked all about her experiences of being a black student at Oxford, academic imposter syndrome and meeting the former first lady, Michelle Obama, followed by a lovely tour of the grounds of Lady Margaret Hall. V was so generous with her time and this is my favourite interview I've done for the podcast so far, so I really hope you enjoy meeting V
0: as much as I did. Growing up in like Birmingham, it was so normal the way that school was. I went to state schools, everyone was just crazy. You could be late for school you could kind of come to school and not really listen you could leave the class get kicked out you could be on a detention it just it was quite normal there was nothing we didn't know any different so I went to school just outside of Birmingham I say Birmingham because it's easier Mm. but where I went to school some of my friends in like year 10 would come to school with a bottle of water but there's vodka inside like that was just it was just a norm or you'd schedule a fight at like twelve thirty 30 lunchtime meet me in the bushes and we're gonna fight because that's what we do and I'm gonna mark my territory and you kind of had to just be strong and it was it was crazy it was just wild and for me that was just normal I was never involved in it because I was always quite academic like I always enjoyed reading and I couldn't fight and I just didn't do anything bad per se. I think I had one detention in my high school life and that was a group detention, you know, but all of my friends, they were quite crazy and they were my friends. That's how they were. And I just, that was just normal. There was nothing else that I knew, but coming to Oxford or even when I went to sixth form, I was like, wait, like you can go to class and actually hear the teacher and no one argues and no one throws a chair and that's quite crazy. So yeah growing up in birmingham was quite a wild time funnily enough i'd never been to oxford in my life until that day when i arrived to like move in so me and my family were literally like shaking we're driving in and we're shaking and we're like this is oxford like this is actually oxford and like none of us had ever been here so just walking in hearing the accents and stuff which is crazy because i feel like now i've ended up picking it up without wanting to but when we first got here we we're like oh my god everyone sounds insanely posh rich smart we just felt out of place and i was like wearing my trainers and jeans i looked like a girl that just came from birmingham and maybe had just had like a fight Do you know what i mean like i looked what you'd have stereotypically thought i'd have looked like and i was like why choose this outfit like today like why did i not wear a fancy tea teapot dress whatever it is like why did <laughs> i not dress like i'm going to the horses or something i felt so out of place just by the buildings that's before i'd really met people and then yeah it was just very intimidating i can't even say it, it was You know, it was it was intimidating it wasn't very nice i was mm. like oh. were you worried that you might not fit in mm. Yeah, I became very aware of how I looked, how I sounded, that I felt very different, like, in the first few months of being in Oxford, even. Even by the time I graduated, I think that's when I had my validation, like, okay, V, you belong here, you've got this, but for the first few months, you feel it, like, you are walking around and you feel different, and I'd never felt that before, I'd always been in a space where everyone was like we're all working class we're all here do you have detention okay cool like everyone just we're all the same you know whereas here I felt very different I was like
1: mm. are there any standout moments from your foundation here that you can remember where you thought I don't feel I belong here
0: I think yeah I think it was one time when I tried to go to the library in town and it's a library that all students use but of course I had a foundation year card and not like an Oxford University card. So I was only a member of Lady Margaret Hall, but I wasn't a University of Oxford student. So the card didn't work. And then when the people at the um, desk were quizzing me, like what's going on and I'm holding up a line and people are coming in, they're looking and they're asking and I'm like, up on the foundation year. And we were the only 10 in the whole university and the first 10 ever. So they don't know what it is. Like not everyone's been debriefed. Okay, people in Lady Margaret Hall, they're aware, but outside of this college, people barely know what's going on. So you're then having to explain what the foundation year is, why you're here, what's going on, and because I'm black already, it's suspicious. Like are you just trying to get your way into the college and just trying to look around for no reason? So it was just that. That's probably one of the most standout moments. And it's like, no, I really... I have a bedroom in this, like, university. Like, please. Mm. But they think, oh, you're just here to, like, I don't know, do something bad. Yeah. yeah.
1: I find it interesting that you said, oh, because you're black, it's suspicious. Mm. Is that how you felt?
0: Yeah, like, I always... I do always feel like walking around being black is... It, it's, it's a statement, in a way. Like, you don't... Like, I just wake up and I'm just me, but to people around me, is like a statement, it's like a political statement or something of that sort and just by the colour of my skin I'm already stereotyped or put into a box or you're gonna assume i'm one way i'm already loud aggressive i'm gonna cause trouble so when you see me rock up to the college i obviously don't belong here I obviously don't go here so you're gonna to have to double check triple check my id you're gonna to have to question me while people behind me who actually are tourists but because they're white you assume they probably attend this uni and you just let them in but you've stopped me but i actually study here and it's just the constant little things that remind you like okay like you definitely see me different and you definitely like put me in the other box and mm-hmm. you feel it the way you would spoken to or treated or looked at or whatever and when you're walking around town People, you just... You can tell, like, I'm one of few. You know, you feel it. You can see it. So, yeah. And I think it's often in the media as well mm. that there aren't a
1: lot of black, Asian, or minority ethnic yeah. students who go here. Mm. And do you think that Oxford needs to be doing more to improve oh, on that?
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, that's... It's just a given. They definitely... They need to do a lot more. What they need to do at this point, I don't even know anymore because from what I hear, they've tried everything. They've done everything under the sun. And I just... I don't quite believe that, but... I know that they're trying, they're pumping lots of money into it, they have access officers, they have people here whose job it is to try and get more students of ethnic minority backgrounds into Oxford, but it's not working as well as it should be. Like, we're nowhere near where we should be. It should just be the norm that, oh, like, a student's going to Oxford, oh, they happen to be black, full stop. It shouldn't be a spectacle anymore because it should just be... The standard, like, Oxford has to represent the society that we're living in. And I understand, like, that ethnic minorities are the minorities, so probably are going to be minority in Oxford, but we have students all all over the... Like, it's just, they need to be more representative, Mm. definitely. Of course, especially as they are, you know, one of the leading educational institutions in the world. Exactly. So you kind of have a duty to make sure you represent the different versions of intelligence because the more that you're not having students like myself in the space, you're basically telling me that like intelligence has a colour, an accent, and a work and a social class, and that's just not the case. Like intelligence comes in all forms, shapes, sizes, colours, countries, whatever it is. So it needs to be representative of that. Definitely.
1: And I think also same goes for working class students as well yeah. as we talked about earlier because mm-hmm. i suppose the stereotype of
0: oxford is a lot of people who go here went to private school yeah oh yeah definitely i i think the same thing i think social mobility is so important and a lot of the people here have been to private school and have had like really incredible schooling in their lives and i've ne- like i don't even blame anyone for that because if I had the money to, I would give that to my child. Mm. What parent wouldn't? I just think that we need to open the doors for other people who haven't had the same opportunities because I can't be penalised for something that I couldn't help. Mm. Factors that are outside of my control, I can't help the fact that I didn't get to go to private school. Does that mean I don't have a chance at being here? Mm. No, you have to level the playing field and make it more accessible and take it into consideration that I haven't had some of the things that my friends have had so therefore you've got to you've got to compensate for that somehow and contextualizing things like grades or looking into background or like like I said that B grade in my school was oh like gold it was mm-hmm. like whoa she's smart but I know that in another school it's like what's wrong with you like you failed so you have to take into consideration like the circumstances I earned those grades and all these other stuff so yeah but on the
1: foundation year, you more than proved yourself and you got your grades to yeah. continue as an undergraduate. Yeah. What was the foundation year like when you came in, you had three Bs? Mm-hmm. Were you worried that you might not oh,
0: matriculate into the yeah, next year? Oh, yeah, definitely. I was, I was extremely worried. I think even to this day, to be quite honest, I think that moment in my life has scarred me forever because I put so much... I attached my excellence, my worth, my abilities my intelligence to my grades for so long and ever since that moment in GCSEs when I was like I had that validation of oh my god you're incredible I now attached being great to my grades so when I didn't get the grades that I desired I it was such a confidence knock like I can't even describe it and it still affects me today which is crazy because I've proved that like V that was that was like a bad year you can have it's like a career right an academic career it's like a job you have a year when you don't make as much money but then the other years you're fine would you then still say like i'm not a millionaire because there was that one time in 2010 when i didn't have a million in my account like and that's what i've been doing i've been saying because of that moment when i didn't get the grades i wanted i am no longer capable or able or whatever and it's just crazy to me because since then i've just done really really well i'm excelling in my schooling like i'm just i'm on track but that moment I always go back to it like, oh yeah, but I did get big grades. Like I'm probably, it's probably just a fluke or mm. oh, whatever. Like I just always downplay things. It's just crazy.
1: Yeah. But what you said about the millionaire analogy yeah. is such a good way to look at it. It's yeah, never yeah, something yeah. that I thought about before. And some days or some weeks or some months are better than others. And sometimes yeah. you're falling a bit behind, but sometimes you're ahead.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's, just, it's just the trajectory of life. Like some things you go up and you go down and you're still doing good in whatever you're doing, but just because you have a bad year doesn't mean it cancels out everything Mm. and when I started to look at it like that that's when I was like okay it was just a bad year in my academic career but now it's fine everything else is good but it's hard it's hard Mm. it's like a personal thing you take it personal like why didn't I perform well
1: definitely but I think as women we tend to suffer from imposter syndrome more than men do you find that while
0: you're at university 100% like the confidence levels are so different and especially here in Oxford where some of my friends have like them waking up they're told you're great they go to bed you're told you're great you look at the place that you're in people who now lead the world are prime ministers are presidents or something have slept in the same beds that you're sleeping in use the same library that you're using ate the same food the same tutors so you walk with a confidence that's unmatched and for a lot of my guy friends who've been to harrow Eton, that's what they've had growing up they know that these walls create excellence it's like a factory of just leaders, and when you know that you, the air of confidence is so it's it's insane. So then, when I'm now sitting in a classroom next to you, and I'm coming from that school where twenty five of us in that classroom, one is super drunk on that vodka in that bottle, we can all smell it. Someone's shouting at the teacher, throwing a chair, da da da, da, da. and you're trying to just just pass, sitting next to that person in that classroom. You won't raise your hand. Like, when they speak, you're like, yep, they're right. Even if they're wrong, they they believe in their own BS so much that you believe it too. Even though you know you're right, I would, I just won't raise my hand. I'd rather be quiet than to, like, get it wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. The imposter syndrome is crazy. Well, it's like the art of bluffocracy, I think, you find yes. with men,
1: isn't it? A yeah,
0: and sometimes I'm just, I'm listening to my, like... When we're in a class, I'm like, you're just ta- you're talking rubbish. Like you're you're not making sense. You know it. I know it. But you're still going. And somehow you're making it believable. And I know like I'm right. And then but then you, you get your validation, I guess, once again in those exam results when the results come back and you do better than them. And you're like, so what was all the talking? What was all the noise for? Like mm. I felt so inferior, so this and that, but I shouldn't have done. But it's hard, like when you hear someone who's walking tall. You, you believe it mm, it's hard and i
1: think it's not only in these four walls it's yeah. when you step outside oh, yeah. into
0: the workplace Word as well of, yeah world of work anywhere i guess you walk if you just like fake it till you make it if you walk with confidence everyone else will believe it walk into a room own it people are just gonna no one can question you but no i'm quite shy when it comes to school and class i'm just like really i wouldn't yeah have here in oxford at home i was because at yeah. home like i said i was the big fish in the little pond so i was like yay yeah, yeah, i've got this i'd raise my hand and even if i was wrong i didn't mind i'd always learn from my errors but here oh
1: no it's tricky
0: yeah
1: but now you've been on the undergraduate yeah. for
0: two years yeah what's that been like for you It's been crazy, it's been really, really good, and I think over time my confidence is slightly growing. I do better in one to one situations with my tutors and me, and just us two, and I do a lot better in those situations because I'm not afraid to be wrong and I know it's all about like me and my learning and my development, and they're just there to like help me. I struggle in like groups of three or even two because. I'm trying to make sure that the other person has their time as well their chance but then i don't want to speak because i'm wrong and it's just it's too much that's going on in my head but yeah the one-to-one situations are really good the lectures are amazing yeah everything's going well i've been enjoying these two years and i think i'm coming to terms with the fact that you are good how you are you're in your own lane and you just have to focus on you and yourself and yes some people get first classes and get like 90 percent that's fine that's them You aim for like what you're aiming for, and yeah, you're very wise. I think when I thank you, if but it takes time though, like. If I'd spoken to myself in my first year, the first month of my first year, I'd be like, oh my God, what did that person get? I have to be on track. And because I've been on the foundation year, I've got to prove myself and like show that guys, I didn't just get in here because like I smile a lot. Like I actually worked hard and I made that grade in the end. And I want to kind of prove like, no, this is not like a sympathy thing or let's just let them in. Or I'm just a number and they're trying to get their black numbers up. So I'm just like on that list. No, I want to show like, i'm just as worthy as you are to sit at this table so i felt like i was having to work extra hard just to be seen on the same level as my friends who were basically just like just sailing which is crazy Mm. always having to work
1: twice as hard yeah but i feel like you are really paving the
0: way especially because you're such an advocate on your
1: youtube channel Mm -hmm. for the university as well but it sounds like a lot of pressure <laughs> because you're spinning a lot of plates. You've got yeah. your course, yeah. stuff
0: outside your course, you've got YouTube. Mm-hmm. What, how do you manage that pressure? Well, one thing I'd recommend everyone to invest in is the Happy Planner. What's the happy really planner? good. It's this um, amazing gift that my beautiful friend, who's also a YouTuber, funnily enough, called Jaded Jade. She got me the Happy Planner for my birthday. And it's basically like a planner that kind of questions you and holds you accountable for you and your happiness so it says what do you enjoy doing how much do you enjoy doing on a scale of one to ten what do you not enjoy doing can you change that yes or no will you change that why are you not changing it so maybe Your job, but you're not happy with it, but you can't change it because you need the money to pay for your bills It makes you kind of analyze things Mm -hmm. and using the happy planner has really like helped me balance everything So I'll say okay. You love doing YouTube. Yes. Why because you like helping people What's your goal with it to make sure people have access to education resources things for internships or blah 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 Just to kind of give everyone an equal chance. Okay. Brilliant, but Will you do that to the cost of your own health, well-being, your own exams, your education? No. So then I find a way of balancing it. So yes, YouTube is a priority, but it's not on the top of my priority list because for me to encourage you to go and get your education, I need to make sure mine's on track. So if that means recording a video will distract from exams, YouTube is on hold. So that's how I kind of balance things. I have to consider weigh up the pros and cons Will me going on camera while I'm tired have an SA due and I just have no motivation is that even going to be helpful is that going to send the right message across am I being real to what I really believe no so we're not turning it on does that mean I need to take a week out two weeks out fine that's what I'll have to do so I'm quite strict and prioritize my health well-being and my academics first and then everything else kind of follows and that's how I manage it it's just it's a simple yes or no question. Like today, seeing you, did that work for me? Yes, my exams are done, my essay's on track, I have free time, of course, like why not? So you just have to like weigh things up. Mm. So you're very good at checking in
1: with yourself. Oh yeah. But, but have there been any time since you've come to university I think all students struggle with mental health. Oh, yeah. Has there ever been a point where you've thought, this is all getting a little bit
0: much yeah so like at the beginning in that first year it was hard juggling everything and it's only this year and second year that i've come to terms with v it's fine people only want you when you're obviously at your best and you can kind of give the people what you want to give them so there's no point burning yourself out just to meet deadlines for online social media youtube tv whatever you're doing just take out a break but in the first year I did not know that. Like, I just thought you have to put out content. You have to, like, do everything. You have to be superwoman. And that was so, so hard. It was, the pressure was insane. And it's, I couldn't take a day off. I was like, oh my God, I'm replying to emails, Instagram DMs, Twitter DMs, Snapchats, Facebook messages. People message you on every single platform. Even YouTube comments, I need to reply to those. And people don't, it's like a full-time job. Like, you don't even understand. And just because I'm not uploading a video... I'm still doing YouTube, you know? Mm. People need answers. They want to follow up. I might make a video on personal statements, but then not quite tackle something that one person needs. So then they follow up email and they ask you to read the personal statement. You send back feedback, they send it back. You have companies, sponsor. Like, there's so much with YouTube and it's insane. Mm. So yeah, I felt like I was burning out towards the end of last year. And I was like, no, nope, taking a break. I took two months off and... Came back when I was ready. Exactly. And of course, like you said, YouTube is like a full-time job because for a lot of people, it is a full-time job. Oh my God. I don't know how they do it. Mm. But I guess when you have more time to dedicate to something, it's kind of easier in a sense because right now I'm like, I just, I don't know how. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Editing, putting it out, promoting, responding, planning, film. Oh, it's a lot. It's Mm. a lot. It
1: is a lot. Mm. And just having all of that going on especially there must be plus days where university. Plus university, you must feel like there's days that you just want to throw your phone out the window
0: yeah oh yeah I have days when I like I basically just don't touch my phone and I I sometimes delete apps and things so I just don't look at them and I just have like a lazy day where mm-hmm. it's just about me myself go get my nails done maybe or go for a little like I don't know spa or something but I just take time off I'm like nope I'm not doing this and yeah And also your friends
1: often feature in your videos. How important is friendship, especially female friendship, for you while you're going through all of this craziness with education and everything else that's going on?
0: I think I, I really, really believe in like female empowerment and the idea of girls standing together and helping each other and stuff like that. So for me, having friends that are girls here at Oxford who are doing the same thing and they are killing it in their field and some of them are one of the only girls in their engineering class or some of them are in chemistry and they are top of their class doing things like that is just insane and seeing that everyone has something going on outside of university a lot of girls are part of the feminist society they help with the book clubs they do all of these crazy things and i'm just like this is what i need like you need to be surrounded by people who are empowering uplifting people that inspire you and I'm so grateful that I have these incredible friends at university and it's just like a big girl group of people that I just I can lean on and turn to and when things get hard they are all there to like lift me up as well and a lot of them are happy to help with the channel or to help with different things and it's great like I didn't even think I'd come to uni and make such good friends and even the guys as well like Josh is one of my bestest 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 friends and he is just He loves it, he's all about helping and making sure all the girls on the channel feel empowered and stuff and when he's in my videos, he knows that we are predominantly addressing young girls so he uses language that's suitable if that makes sense, like he'll be like you girls and stuff like that, like it's just, it's amazing. I didn't think I'd get that much support for what I do, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But my friends are pretty like A star. Like if you're feeling a bit down you know that they are ready and equipped to like bring chocolate, uplift you, take you out, all of this stuff and then just help you like reboost, you know? Mm. And they also help me remember like why I'm doing it. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to quit. I'm deleting everything. I don't want to do it anymore. Like they remember why you're doing this and they kind of keep me in check. And we have to talk about Michelle (gasps) Obama. Ah! I am still like in a bubble about that. I'm just like, what is going on? So you very recently met Michelle Obama yeah. what was that like so I'd been like reading her like she's just one of my role models right I don't even know when it started but her Oprah people like that Chimamanda. like I just really look up to them mm-hmm. and when she brought out her book I was like this is insane like mm-hmm. I have to read this I read it front to back and then I started to read it again just for like a second time mm-hmm. and I was just like you get to know her so much in that book. And I felt like I knew her. So then when she was doing her book tour and she was coming back to England, I was like, I've got to go. I have to go. There's no way I'm not going. And I went and then I got to meet her. And it was just... It's, when, she, when she came over and then she like gave me a hug. I was like, okay, this is real. I was shaking. I was like, <laughs> right, this is Michelle. This is Michelle. And I could smell it was Michelle because she smelled like money and a fresh blow-dry new clothes and i was like this i is, love that this is michelle <laughs> this is what like the f- ex first lady of the state this is how she smells this is this is her this is her and i was just like oh my god hugged her and then we spoke and it was just she was like i'm so proud of like what you're doing and stuff and you've got to keep going and remember that the world means like light and like you're trying to give light and that's So powerful and incredible. We spoke about Harvard, her daughter. She was like, Oh, if you ever come to the States and you want a tour of Harvard, just just let us know. And you know, I was like, This is Michelle, Michelle, Michelle Obama. I was like, This is crazy. And I was like, Okay, we're gonna do pictures. And then we took a picture with her, like, team. Like, they took the photo. And I was like, Yeah, I'm never gonna get that. I was like, Can I do one on my phone, please? Because Mm. I just know. She's like, Yeah, sure. And she just She's just so graceful mm-hmm. and beautiful in real life. I'm like, oh So then when we left like the backstage room and then we went to actually watch the show, mm-hmm. now seeing her on stage after seeing her so chilled in the back, mm-hmm. I was like, You're just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. She was now like in Michelle mode mm-hmm. and she was just, ugh, oh, fifteen thousand people were there. Wow. It was it was a beautiful moment and that's like one of my highlights. I thought doing a TED talk was my highlight, but that no. Topped it. I was like, guys, twenty nineteen is done for me. I'll see you in twenty twenty. Yeah. This is like, what else can? How can I top that? And you also met Mallory Blackman. Yeah. As well, girl. Let me tell you something. Life is crazy right now, and I've I've always read her books. Like I loved Lots of Crosses growing up, and I was like, this is something that I really connected to. It was kind of a play on racism in a way, and they reversed the roles of oppression in a sense so the black people were in power and the white people were kind of working for the black people and they were the inferior race quote unquote Mm. so when she did that I think it hit a lot of people because quite often people become accustomed to seeing something so seeing an image of like a young black man shot or arrested or being beaten up is we're used to it it's like that's how like that it happened, and that's what happens in life, you know. You gotta get over it. It's just a part of life. But then when you see that same image on a different color skin, it evokes a different emotion. Everyone, all of a sudden, they really, really care, and you know, it's crazy. Like right now, to go off topic a little bit, Grenfell Tower happened. Mm-hmm. People were like, "Oh, it happens," you know. These things happen. It lit up, and people died, and oh, those ethnic minorities. Then you see the cathedral burning in in Paris. Paris. There, that was a building. And I, I think it's a beautiful building. And I, I love and obviously respect history. But the response was like, we've got to send money. We've got to help right now. People are still not housed in Grenfell. And it's like... Well, and nobody died in Notre Dame as well. Exactly. The, it was just... You couldn't even put it, like, on the same level. But for everyone, it was like, this is a historic building. It's, it's, it's like, historic. We all love it. Like, we've got to help. And it's like, but those were people. Mm-hmm. But because they were ethnic minorities, it didn't hit home as much. And I feel like had that have been a group of white people that had died in that fire, the response would have been different. And I know it. I just know it. And so when I read Noughts and Crosses and she'd reversed the races... The response that the people gave, it was like, oh my God, like, is this what happens? People were like, I finally get it. You know what I mean? When you walk in someone's shoes, they were like, the way those characters were treated, it was, people were sending her abuse. Like, why did you do that? Like, why did you put people in that position? Blah, blah, blah. But for me, that book was like, finally, like, do you get it now a little bit? Like, it's difficult when you're just constantly put on... A backseat because of your race, or you have to work ten times as hard because of your race, and things are always harder, like your life is made harder just because you are black. Mm -hmm. So that book for me I think highlighted that and she was one of my childhood heroes. So when I got to meet her, interview her, she's like my book, got to hug her. To see how that book is even like significant in terms of what's happening in America with Trump right now. What is next for you, do you think, after why well, in the future after graduation oh my god I don't even like if someone had asked me in December 2018 like what's next for me in 2019 I'd be like oh no and then all I'm of this start start literally <laughs> and it's like we're in month four of mm. the year and all of these crazy things have happened so if someone asks me now like what's happening in the future like honestly I don't even know I'm just excited I hope I get to work some more with BBC mm. our First series on teaching kids about like being outside and different historical buildings that launched in January, and I got to work and present for BBC Teach, which was insane. Like, so my debut as a presenter happened. I really want to go and do more charity work in Zimbabwe again. Um, I'd love to apply for a master's. Harvard would be the dream, but if it doesn't happen, it's fine. But that would be creme de la creme. Mm. And I don't know just be in a position where I have enough resources my voice has enough power to help change people's life on a generational scale through education mm-hmm. so that would be the dream how I'll do it I don't know we'll have to see but that is what's coming next
1: and if you could go back mm-hmm. to the sat in a classroom yeah. outside of Birmingham sitting mm-hmm. at A levels from where you are now what would yeah. you say to her?
0: I would be like, girl, believe in yourself. Like, you have got this. I feel like if I had had the amount of opportunities, the amount of resources, the amount of confidence that, like, I happen to have now, back then, oh, my God, I don't even know where I would be. Like, if I just had been given a chance, opportunity, and been able to be told V, it's okay, you can do this, you've got this, aim as high as you want. The ball game would have been so different, but I had to kind of do that for myself. I wish I had people around me believing me, in me more, like my teachers believe in me a lot more. So yeah, that's what I would tell myself, like, you've got this, keep going.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hear Her Out with V. Kativu. I really, really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please rate this podcast five stars or even leave me a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the podcast and to join our community. I'll be back soon with some more guests. And if there's ever anyone that you'd like to hear me interview on the podcast, please get in touch on twitter i'm at faye c white or my email is down in the show notes as well and all of the info of how to find v is down there too so i hope that you enjoyed it and i'll be back soon with another episode